Open your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. On these holiday services, you never know what you're going to get, so it's good to see a full house. hope you all had a good restful time, and uh, we're ready. I'm always ready for it to be over by the time it's over. Things to be back to normal, regular schedule. How many of you kids are excited about going back to school? Just your favorite thing is to get back in school. Oh, there's a couple of them back there. All right. Yes. John is being false over here. I can see that over. Yes. Yes. So it's, uh, it, it is always an interesting thing on these particular holidays. But you've heard me say before, I love New Year's. I, I just love New Year's. Like when I was in college, when I messed up real bad the first semester, the second semester was a chance to do better, right? And I just love it. I always love the idea of a new start. I'm, I'm pretty good at forgetting my mistakes, and that's why I got married, because she can remind me of them. But it's <laughs> true. Um, I just love newness. And, you know, there's such, in Christianity, that concept of newness is such a vital part of who we are. How many of you glad are glad that God has given you a new chance? Amen. You thankful for that? So let's start here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 17. I think this is the perfect verse and passage to discuss this. Look at verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this. Even though it's just the turning over of a calendar, it gives us the opportunity to talk about the newness that we have in you. Lord, help us to have a better understanding of that today. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you like getting new things? Right? You like new things. I, I like a new pair of shoes. I, I, like, it, I like a new truck. <laughs> I, like, I like getting new things, right? And I think, that, I think that most of us do. Now, there are some things that are better old. You know, uh, I, like on my Bible. This, I've had this Bible for several years now, and it just fits in my hand. Before I had it rebound right where I hold it, my thumb had actually worn through the leather. There was a bald spot in the leather. I, I love my Bible. I have a new one that's just like this one, and I don't like it because this has all my notes. It has it falls open to the right place. This passage right here, I've had so much that the pages kind of wobble around in there because I love this text, and I'm here so much in my own reading and study. There are some things that are new that are good. There are other things that are new that are not good, but I can tell you the best thing that's new, and that's a new life. When God gives us a new life. What I want to look at today is Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Noah Webster gave us some definitions of what it means, that what the word new means. 
And I want to look at it in the context of this passage. The first thing, okay, so here's Webster's first definition. Lately made, invented, produced, or come into being. How about that? Lately made, invented, produced, or come into being. Do you know what you are if you're saved? You're a new creature. That is, you are made completely new. Brand new. That means that none of the sin of your past applies to who you are today. When you look at the word or the, the, the description, Son of God, in the Bible, when it applies to anyone other than Jesus Christ, in the Old Testament, you had the sons of God. They were angels. In the New Testament, you have us. and We become sons of God when we're saved. The term Son of God is a direct creation of God. That's what it means. A Son of God is a direct creation of God. And when you're saved, you are completely new. Now, I know that we, as humans, we, it's almost impossible to get past the guilt of your past. That is just in us because we remember. Have you ever been driving down the road and you remember something that you did in the past that caused you shame? I don't know about you, but that'll happen to me and I'll grip the steering wheel a little harder and almost cringe. I want to reach out and grab something, do something to alleviate the shame of whatever that act or thought or, or decision, whatever that was. That's the way that we are. We remember those things. Do you know what God sees when He sees you and you're saved? A completely new creature. You are a new creation in Him. That is wonderful. All things become new. Let's look at verse 17 again. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... Now, remember how you get in Christ. You place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life. And when that happens, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen, it says that for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. So when you get saved, the Holy Spirit places you in Christ. That happens at salvation. So here in verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, you might say... Therefore, if any man be saved, he is a new creature. And I love the next part. Old things are kept for a little while. What's it say? Passed away. Passed away. You know, we need the, the liberty and the freedom that comes from being a new creature in Christ. The second part of, of Webster's definition is recently produced by change. Recently produced by by change. Do you know that Jesus Christ wants you to have a new life? He wants you to have a new life. One of the things that we learn in discipleship, and if you're not a part of our discipleship ministry, there are some cards in the chairs there. If you'll just fill that out, we'd love to take someone. If you're a lady, we assign a lady to you. If you're a man, we assign a man. And they just teach you the Bible and prepare you to be able to teach someone else the Scriptures. But one of the things that we learn in our discipleship training is this. When a person gets saved, they're a new creature. They're a completely new creature in Christ. How many of you believe that? Seriously, how many of you believe that? The only problem is your disciple still has their same mind. Your disciple still has their same body. So if they were a drug addict or an alcoholic or whatever, they still have those same desires, those things are in them. They still have the same enemy. Satan hates. Satan hates you. And he certainly hates you more when you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. They have the same enemy. And so the important thing about this newness is he allows you the opportunity to change your behavior because of the newness that he gives you in Christ. I wonder how many of you are different than you were before you were saved. 
I know that many of you are completely different. You completely changed. Chad Hollinger said, I never cried before I got saved. It's interesting, isn't it? Now he cries all the time. (laughs) Salvation will just change you. It will change you if you'll allow that. Now, if you are saved, if you're born again, you place your faith and trust in Christ alone, but then you haven't grown at all, some of that change that is available to you, you've not accessed. God wants you to change that. That's what it means to be new. God has given you now the capacity to change those behaviors that are so destructive in your life, and they're destructive to your family as well. God wants you to be able to change those things. He's given you that opportunity to. Recently produced by a change. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, I'm not going to take the time to go there, we just looked at it recently, that what God wants you to do is take off the old man and put on the new man. And that's an act of the will through the power of the Holy Spirit where God allows you to change. Now, I don't know about you, and don't raise your hand here. There may be something that you have wanted to change for years and you've not been able to. Well, I promise you this. If it's something God wants you to change, if you'll submit to His Word and you'll do it through the power of the Holy Spirit, He will help you. You know, Mark Twain said the only people that like change are wet babies. You know, it it is hard, especially as you get older. You know, I'm 53, and it's harder to change now than it was when I was younger. It just gets harder. That's where we need the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can do that. So the first definition was lately made, invented, produced, or come into being, and then recently produced by a change. Then this one is so interesting. Not habituated. Not familiar. Do you know what being saved does? Getting saved... What God does is He allows you to change your habits. Now, nuns change their habits every day, I think. Because sometimes they're dirty habits. <laughs> you ever had a habit that you wanted to change? What is a habit? A habit is it's kind of a, a groove that you've put in your life. So, now, you, you young people won't know what this is, but how many of you remember records? Right? And you, you put the needle down on the record, and the, the record turns, and somehow whatever is on that record is transmitted in sound through the speakers. Now, there's a process in between, but I don't know what it is. And what you'd see is that that needle would go around, and you'd have the middle of your record and the outside of your record, and the needle would move in towards the middle. Right? And that's just what it does. Because those grooves point it to that direction. What habits are is they're grooves that you have established in your life that push you in a certain direction. Do you know what God wants to do? God wants to give you new grooves. Not the emperor's new groove. That's different. (laughs) God wants to give you new grooves in your life. He really wants you to be able to establish new habits. Now, here's what's amazing about Christianity. You might have been saved for 20 years. You might have been saved for a week. Unless you have begun establishing those new habits, when you get saved, those habits don't automatically change. That's that's the work of the Holy Spirit in you as you willingly submit to the Holy Spirit and do the hard work of changing those habits. And the older you get, the harder it is to change those things. But you know what I love? I love watching people who, even if it's been after a long period of time, they begin submitting to the Word of God and God changes them. When you can see it, 
You can watch it. That's what God does for us. And at the new year, this would be such a great time for you to establish new habits. Now, I just pray that your new habits last longer than your resolutions. We're not talking about resolutions. We're talking about change, legitimate, actual, verifiable change that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Why? Because you're a new creature. You're a new creature. God wants to do that for you. New habits. We need new habits. How about your first reaction is love rather than anger? How about your first reaction is forgiveness rather than bitterness? Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you know that Christians are supposed to forgive? How many of you know that? Okay, like six people raised their hands. How many of you know that Christians are supposed to forgive? You know that. Now, you don't have to raise your hand here, but how many of you would say that your first reaction is not forgiveness, but it's revenge? It's bitterness. It's anger. You know, the, um, our, our counselor, Dr. Angwin, he says that passive-aggressive people are like snipers. They never meet you face-to-face. They always get you from cover. And there are people you never deal with what you're supposed to deal with. You just have resentment and, and all of that comes. Now, here's the thing. Some of you, that is your natural bent. Your natural bent is the passive-aggressive. Now, some of you might not even know what it means to be passive-aggressive. So an aggressive person, when you confront them, they come back naturally. It's just, how many of you know people that are like that? First reaction is to fight. Other people, they're fearful. And their first reaction is to flee from conflict, and they never deal with conflict. And they might not ever even develop resentment, but there becomes a certain insecurity that comes from never dealing with the problem. All right? What the passive-aggressive person is, it's the combination of those two. And what they do is they shrink back from the conflict and they sneak around and bring it up at a different time. They deal with it just through snide remarks and snippiness and trouble. It's such a horrible way to live. And you'll talk to somebody and you'll think that you've resolved the conflict and they say, yes, that's great. And in the meantime, they're trying to undermine you for the rest of your life. All of those things. If you're a person that fights automatically, there's times when you don't need to fight. You need to stop. You need to allow that other person to have their say. Others of you who naturally cower away, there are times we need to stand up and say, no, this isn't right. We need to care for this. And then those of you who are the passive aggressive, you just need to do right because it's a very deceitful thing. Do you know the answer to all of it? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Imagine if you started this new year And you said that the goal in my life for this year, here's my goal, not a resolution, a goal. This is what I want God to do in my life. Lord, help me to learn how to forgive. You know, we live in a fallen world and people are cruel. People are mean. People say and do things that are awful. And when you hold on to that, what you're doing is you're giving that person power over your life every day. Forgiveness is saying, I am I am releasing you. I am releasing you from accountability for that. I can't do anything with it. I'm not asking for anything. I'm not saying what you did was right. Sometimes people believe that when they forgive, they're saying that what happened was okay. No, no, it's not okay. It's not okay. How many of you believe that God still is just? And He tells us to forgive. So apparently, forgiveness does not violate God's justice. Forgiving one another as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So if God can forgive us, that is certainly not a violation of justice. 
Forgiveness is a gift that you give yourself. Forgiveness is a gift that you give yourself. There are some of you, you just hold resentment and bitterness in, and I promise you there is nothing godly about that. According to the book of Hebrews, what happens is that this root of bitterness springs up in you. It troubles you, and then it causes the people around you to be defiled. How many of you know someone who is bitter and it's caused terrible trouble in their family? You know people that are like that? Well, how about this? Don't be that. How do you do that? Now, listen, I'm not trying to make light. I'm not trying to make light at all. Please don't think that. If someone has done something horrible to you, that is a horrible thing. I want you to be free of it. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could live in freedom this year? Because you're able to give the gift of forgiveness to yourself. Some of you have a habit of bitterness. Some of you have a habit of anger. You have a habit of unforgiveness. You need to establish a new groove in your life where you just let stuff go. You let it go and leave it in God's hands. I like the passage. I think it's Exodus 14, 14, where God says, Be still and let God fight for you. Let God fight for you. How many of you believe in God? How many believe that God is just? then some of us need need to put it in God's hands and say, God, I trust you with the outcome of this. Now, I always have to qualify this. I um, People in Christianity are nuts sometimes. Okay? Two things. Ladies, if you're living with a husband that physically harms you, you need to forgive him. And you need to make sure that he can never harm you again. Isn't it crazy how people get mixed up on that? If someone molests children, forgiveness has to happen in that relationship. But that child should never have to see that person again. I personally would like to see that person killed. I think that's justice. So if you're the kind of person that thinks there needs to be reconciliation and all that, stay away from me. And I will never allow you to counsel anyone in our church. Not going to happen. You see how crazy people are? Forgiveness is a biblical understanding, but protecting children is a biblical understanding. Right? Forgiveness needs to come, and there's no doubt that forgiveness needs to come because that will help the person who's been hurt. The forgiveness will help the person who has been hurt. But justice must be done to protect those children. Amen? Amen. You know, there was a time when, so let's say my sister, brother-in-law is beating up my sister. Well, the rest of us would go and just beat the snot out of that guy. Say, you touch her again and you'll go to the grave. That was the culture. That's the way that it was. Now, today you can't do that, so we have to have legal means to accomplish those things. We need to take advantage of those legal means to accomplish those things. No lady should ever feel like she has to be beaten by her husband. That's, that has nothing to do with biblical submission. has nothing to do with it. It's wrong. So when we're talking about forgiveness, ladies, if you're a lady here and you've experienced that, you need to forgive the one who has done that to you but you don't need to put yourself in the position to have it done to you again. That's not forgiveness. 
That's not what forgiveness is. Reconciliation is where we're reconciled to God. When If I have an argument with Pastor Nathan, well, we can resolve those things and our relationship can be reconciled. If someone molests a child, there's no reconciliation necessary there. There's justice required. That Then we need to care for the child and then the, the, the adult needs to be punished and never have the opportunity to hurt a child again. Amen? So I feel like when forgiveness is discussed that there are people in the room who need to hear what I just said so that you can understand that you don't have an, uh, you have no responsibility to go back to that person. You have no responsibility to communicate with that person. None. None. And it's our, as leadership, it's our responsibility to protect you. And we'll do everything in the world that we can to do that. Um, so, not habituated. Then, renovated. Another word from, from Webster's Dictionary. Renovated. Repaired so as to recover the first state. Isn't that interesting? Renovated, repaired, so as to recover the first state. You know what we can call that? Revival. Do you know what God wants to do in your life? Some of you have been saved for a while, and the, the passion for your relationship with Christ is gone. Do you know what God wants to do? He wants to restore that. He wants to make it like your salvation is brand new. He wants to give you a new passion for souls. Look at what the Bible says here in our text. Verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Look at the verse at the end of verse 18. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you know the problem with some people, and probably all of us, is we're focused too much on ourselves and we need to focus on others. God has given you a job to do. And what is that? To bring other people to Christ. To reconcile other people with Jesus Christ. That's our job. That's what we're supposed to do. And when we're renovated, those of us as believers, we need to get back to that zeal, that passion. Do you remember when you first got saved and you had to tell somebody about it? And now you don't want anybody to know. You know, you're at dinner and you've got to pray. Oh, thank you, Lord. You don't want people to know that you're going to pray in public. Listen, we need to get back to where we, everybody knows that we're a believer, that we're in love with Jesus Christ, and we have a new passion again for what God wants us to do. It's really so important that we do that. Renovated, repaired, so as to recover the first state. Then, this is interesting, recently, this is in the definition, recently commenced as the new year. You know that, that God gives us the new year so that we can have a new start. And I love it. You know a good new start for some of you? Pay your bills. Get out of debt. Just get in control of some of those things. Take Dave Ramsey, get, take our Financial Peace University, get in control of your finances, tell every dollar where to go. Get in control of that. Make it new. Make it new. And let me say this. Your health is so important. You can't serve God if you destroy your body. Amen? You know what the new year is a good time to do? Eat better. Exercise. I've got this great new weight loss plan. Eat less and exercise. Right? Just get in control. Get in control. Do right. You know, when you get to be my age, and some of you are close to my age, some of you are younger, some of you are older, wherever you are, when you get to my age, you've got to do this stuff on purpose. Right? I used to be able to eat like crazy and no problems ever. Those days are gone. Right? Man, I used to love the spiciest wings you could ever eat. I eat that now, and I think I'm going to die. <laughs> Things change, right? Things just change, and you have to do it on purpose. Some of you, you have 30 years left to serve God unless you destroy your body. Get in control of that, all right? Recently commenced as the new year. This could be the beginning of a new life. 
And then this is so interesting. This is, the, this is another in the definition. Having passed the change or conjunction with the sun as the new moon. Your interaction with the sun, it ought to change you. You know, when you look in the Bible, there are different types and there are things that point to truth. And obviously the sun is Jesus Christ. All right? The Bible talks about that in Malachi. He's going to rise with the sun's going to rise with healing in his wings. And we know that Jesus Christ pictures the sun. Well, we're the moon. We don't have any light of our own. We don't have any light of our own. We only reflect the light of Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? Do you know what's interesting? When you see the moon, you don't see all the cracks and crevices and all the damage that's done. The light of Christ covers that for us. We don't see it. But I want you to think about something. Your interaction with the sun, with Jesus Christ, it impacts the world around you. And so think about an eclipse. What happens in an eclipse, you have a solar eclipse, and that's where you have the sun, and then the moon, and then the earth. Do you know what happens in in that solar eclipse? That the light of the sun is blocked by the moon. And do you know what that is? you know what that's an amazing picture of? Do you know the Bible says that we have this, this treasure in earthen vessels, that glory of God that's supposed to be seen in the world through us. What happens is when you're a carnal Christian, when you're not living for the Lord, it's just like that eclipse where the moon gets between the sun and the earth. People can't see the brightness of Jesus Christ because of us. Can you imagine if your life stopped somebody from seeing who Jesus Christ is? Isn't that awful? It's a horrible thing. There's another eclipse. It's a lunar eclipse. Do you know what that is? That's when you have the sun and the earth and the moon is on the other side. And that just produces darkness. You can't even see the moon then because you don't have any light of your own. Do you know what that is? That's when the world gets between you and Jesus. Listen to this definition. The definition says, having passed the change or conjunction with the sun as the new moon. Are you getting between people and Jesus? Or are you reflecting the light of Jesus to the world? Or is the world stopping you from reflecting the light of Christ? Are you letting the world get between you and Jesus Christ? That's an amazing thing, isn't it? You need to think about that. Don't be stuck in a position where you're stopping the reflection of Christ or where the world is stopping you from seeing who Jesus is and reflecting that in the world. What an amazing thing. Then, not cleared and cultivated like a new field. Here's what's so awesome. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. could be that you get saved today. It could be that you've been saved for 50 years. Do you know what that means? In this definition of newness as a new creature that it's never too late for God to use you. It is never too late. God wants to do something with you and in you and through you in this new year. Think about what it is that God wants you to do. And here's the good news. It doesn't matter how much life you've left behind. Whatever you have left can be used for the glory of God. And He will take you and make you the most purposeful that you have ever been. Newness, newness. And then, the last one of his definitions is that has lately appeared for the first time as a new star. You really are a new creature. The Bible says, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. God wants to make you wise. God wants to make you a star. Isn't that amazing? 
He wants to make you a person that stands out in the culture. How many of you think a righteous person will stand out in the culture today? Right? It just you'll, you'll just shine in the world. That's what God wants you to be. God wants you to be a reflection of His glory for His purpose in this world. You are a new creature. It doesn't matter what the world wants you to be. God has a purpose for you. Let's do that this year. Let's be that person this year. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord, so much for making us new creatures.